Probably the most well-known sermon of all is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and that's what we're looking at, really the conclusion to this message. Last week we looked at the two gates, the narrow and the wide gate. Today the picture is of two trees, a good and a bad one, and then finally two foundations. So we're going to look at chapter 7, verses 15 through verse 23. And we read in Jesus' name. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, this passage of Scripture presents to us a very clear warning that we are to beware of those who would teach in a way that is contrary to your word. We are to beware of false prophets. And so, Lord, help us to be those who are students of your word so that we would be aware of teaching that is not in accordance with the words of Jesus. Help us, Lord, then to stand upon your truth, your inspired your inerrant, your everlasting word, we pray. Teach us, Lord, during this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. How many Christians do you think there are in America? I read a recent uh, Gallup poll taken in December of 2015, fairly recent, And that poll revealed that 75% of Americans would call themselves Christians. That's three out of every four. Do you think that three out of every four people in our country really know Jesus? Are there that many genuine Christians in our country? The verses we looked at last week would probably suggest otherwise. Jesus describes the two gates and the two roads and the two destinies. And he said the broad road to destruction, many are traveling that road. But he said the narrow road that leads to life, there are few that find it. Few that find it. 
And I would suggest to you there are several reasons why there are so few who find the road to life in the very context of this passage. One reason is because we are evil. We are born with a sinful nature. Back in verse 11 of chapter 7, Jesus said this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, give good to those who ask Him? So we are evil. We are sinful. And we are on a pathway by nature that runs from God. We by nature don't seek Him. And that's one reason why few find it. Second reason is that the road to life is not an easy road. It is a narrow road. It is a challenging road. And a lot of people don't want to travel that road. Uh, Jesus said, count the cost of, of discipleship. It will not be an easy life. So if you're looking for an easy life, walking with Jesus is not an easy life. You've got to consider more than that because what's the end result? But it is not an easy life. And then thirdly, which we look at this morning, there are false prophets who would teach, seek to lead us astray. And they are leading people astray today. And that's why this text, verse 15, begins with a very sobering word, and that word is to beware. What does that mean? You need to watch out. You need to be discerning. You need to compare what you are hearing with the Word of God so that you are not being deceived because there are many people in our country today who are being deceived. Beware of the false prophets. Now, there are two reasons why we must beware. First of all, because false prophets look like shepherds, but act like wolves. Look at verse 15. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Look like shepherds, but act like wolves. Now, the presence of false prophets was not something new to the people of Israel when Jesus preached this sermon. There are many places in the Old Testament where God clearly warned about false prophets and what to do with them. For example, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. And then in verse 5 he says, But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you away from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Very clear in the Old Testament. If someone comes and preaches what is false... Purge that person. Remove the evil from among you. But if you look at how the people of Israel 
responded to false prophets, you will see exactly the opposite. For example, look at Isaiah 30, verse 9. For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, you must not see visions, and to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Telling your pastor... Do not tell me what is right. Do not speak the truth to me. It goes on to say, speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Can you imagine that happening? Coming to your pastor and saying, I don't want to hear the truth anymore. Just tell me what will tickle my ears. Tell me what will make me feel good, because I really don't want to hear the truth. That's what they were telling the prophets in Israel. Look at Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. What is that? The prophets prophesy falsely, And the priests rule on their own authority. (laughs) And get this. And my people love it so. Can you imagine that? Giving them false information. And the people loved it. And if you look at our culture today, it really hasn't changed, has it? Did you listen to what was read from 2 Timothy chapter 4? The day will come when people will not put up with sound teaching. But they will gather to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. Make me feel good. I don't really want to know about sin. I don't really want to know about judgment. I want to leave church feeling good about myself. That's what one lady told me several years ago. She was not a believer. But she wanted to feel good about herself. There's only one way, and that's when you know Jesus. And the truth must be proclaimed. Now, the reason why we need to beware of false prophets is because they are deceptive. They don't come to us and say, my name is Balaam. I am a false prophet. Come to my church and I will lead you to hell. (laughs) They don't work that way, do they? In many ways, they look like a true prophet. They appear to be shepherds who are concerned about the Lord's sheep. But they can bring great harm to the body of Christ if we aren't alert To their danger. Peter describes the false prophets as those who secretly introduce destructive heresies. 2 Peter 2.1 Jude says that they have crept in unnoticed. Jude 4 Paul says that the false prophet comes as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 And this is why we need to beware, because outwardly they may look like shepherds, but Jesus said that inwardly they are wolves. And what do wolves do with sheep? 
You know what they do with sheep? They devour them. They look like shepherds, but act like wolves. So the question we need to ask then is, if these false prophets are inwardly like wolves in sheep's clothing, how do we recognize them then? Is there a way to spot the false prophet? What a person is like inwardly will eventually become evident outwardly. Because you can only hide it so long. And sooner or later, that which is really in your heart becomes known. It becomes evident. And that's what Jesus is saying here as you look at verse 16. He said, you will know them by their fruits. And he gives this illustration. He says, grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes. Figs are not gathered from thistles, are they? And the obvious answer is no. So every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. So then, verse 20 says, you will know them by their fruits. So there is a way to see who is the false prophet. Jesus says you examine their fruit. So what is the fruit? The word that Jesus uses to describe false prophets, I think, gives us a little hint, at least one of the, one of the ways. The word ravenous, where he says that inwardly they are ravenous wolves, is found five times in the New Testament, here and four other places. And the other four times, it is translated swindler. Swindler. So one of the fruits of the false prophet as that he is in it for his own personal gain. And often it is financial gain. Second Peter chapter 2, there's a quite a lengthy section given there on false prophets that will arise in the latter days. Verse 3 says, In their greed, they will exploit you. Verse 14, having a heart trained in greed. Verse 15, having followed the way of Balaam, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And so what's the lesson here? The, one of the fruits of a false prophet is that he is in it for himself. And very often it's Financially. I remember several years ago, the first congregation we served out in Minot, North Dakota, we were gathered with a group of pastors and we were talking about having someone come in for a citywide uh, series of meetings. And I'm not going to tell you who it was because you know the name, but there was one individual who was mentioned as a possible one to come in. And they, they, <laughs> there was one pastor that said, immediately he said, over my dead body. And it was silent like you are. And someone said, well, why? He said, because the last time he was here, he took three offerings in one night. He came out and said the first one wasn't enough. And begged for more. That wasn't enough, came out again and begged for a third offering. He said, over my dead 
body. That's the fruit of a false prophet. Greed in it for personal gain. If you read further in Second Peter chapter 2, you'll see another fruit of the false prophet, and that is his immoral lifestyle. Second Peter chapter 2, listen to this, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there also will be false prophets among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality. In other words, their immoral living. Verse 14, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. There again, immorality. And if you are wondering how false teachers could get people to accept this way of living, it is a gross misunderstanding of what we would call Christian liberty. In other words, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm saved by grace, so it doesn't really matter how I live. Look at verse 18 and 19 of 2 Peter 2. Describing still these people, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom. Huh. promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. Listen to Jude, verse 4. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness, Another word for immorality. And deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And anyone who believes that a Christian should live a godly life, they are labeled then as the legalists. Huh? You're not really free. You're living under the law. If you really knew what grace is. And so anyone who says a Christian ought to live a godly life, oh, how legalistic you are. And that's the false prophet. They look like shepherds, but they act like wolves. In it for their own greed and immorality. And that's why if you look at the qualifications and the challenges given to spiritual leaders, those two will come up over and over again. Not a lover of money, not in it for sword and gain, not peddling the word of God for profit, and also immorality. That's the fruit. And Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. The second thing we note then is that false prophets speak like Christians, but Jesus doesn't know them. Jesus doesn't know them. You know, when we think of what a false prophet teaches, we probably think of someone who 
blatantly denies the fundamental truths of Scripture. And some false prophets are certainly like that. They don't believe in the deity of Christ. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in hell. They don't believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved. If all false prophets taught that, then it would be easier to recognize because those are the fundamental truths of Scripture that are very, very clear. But not all false prophets are like that. Some of them get some things right. And we see an example of that. Look at verse 21. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. What does that mean? Not everyone who says to me, Jesus, Lord, Lord. What are they saying? They are identifying Jesus Christ as true God. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So here are people who say to Jesus that he is Lord, yet they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So on this point, we could say their theology was correct on that point, but they are obviously not genuine believers. Jesus said they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If you look at verses 22 and 23, we'll see something else about false prophets that makes them so deceptive. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and look at this list. Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? What does Jesus say? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What a sober word. Lord, in your name we preach. In your name we cast out demons. In your name we perform miracles. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. So how can it be that these people prophesied in Jesus' name, cast out demons in Jesus' name, performed miracles in Jesus' name, and yet were false prophets? Well, it could be that they were allowed to do these things by God's power. God put words into Balaam's mouth. He was a false prophet. Prophet, Numbers 23.5. The wicked high priest Caiaphas unwittingly and intentionally prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, John 11.51. So God isn't limited to whom He speaks through. Could be that. Could be that these works were accomplished by Satan's power. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 24, that false Christ's and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Did you get that? False prophets, false Christ's will show great signs and wonders. 
So what does that tell us? Is everything that is miraculous of God? Absolutely not. Signs and wonders done by false teachers in Satan's power. Or it could be that these claims are simply false. In other words, they claim to do these things, but they really didn't. So whether these works were done by God's power or Satan's power or were just false claims, Jesus said, I never knew you. You have no part in in my kingdom. You're not real. You're not genuine. You are false. And he will say to them, depart from me. You think there's going to be some surprises on the day of judgment? I think so. There are going to be people you thought were going to be there, but were fakes, phonies, putting on a a false front. And maybe there's some you think aren't going to be there that are going to be there. Is that possible? We don't see the heart. We don't know for sure. But that's what's going to happen. Or Jesus will say, I never knew you. So how do we make sure then that we are not deceived? I want to suggest three things as we close. Number one, we need to pray for discernment, especially in the days in which we live. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us because His ministry is, one of His ministries is to guide us into truth, right? We need to pray for discernment. Discernment is needed today, perhaps more than than ever before. And I can remember my dad saying there were times when he might not be able to exactly put his finger on what was wrong, but he said, God gave me a check in my spirit. And it was later that it came clear what, what the issue was wrong. Have you had that happen before? Well, you've heard something you said, you know, there's something wrong here. Can't necessarily put my finger on it, but there's something wrong here. And in time, it became clear. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for discernment in our day. A second thing, we need to be leery of a so-called new insight that no one has ever seen or heard before in 2,000 years of Christianity. And be leery of new revelation that God has given someone to pass on to us. That's a red flag. Is it possible that through 2,000 years of church history, there are things that no one's ever seen before, and then God finally reveals through? I I would be beware of that. And then finally... We need to test everything we hear by the Word of God. This is the message being given. Does it agree with God's Word? That's what the Berean Christians did. Remember in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 17. When Paul came and he preached in the synagogue there in Berea, it says in verse 11 that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things that Paul was teaching from the Old Testament 
or so. Don't just take my word for it. Just because I'm your pastor. Or don't just take guy the radio's word for it or internet or TV's word for it just because they're a well-known pastor or whatever. Ask the question, is this really what the Word is teaching? Because there are people that are using Bible verses, some of them pulling things out of context, and boy, yeah, 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 that, that, that sounds right, but is it really consistent with God's Word? We do not want to be deceived in the day in which we live. And that's why Jesus says, beware. Look out. There will be false prophets who will come like sheep, like shepherds, but they're wolves. There will be those who speak like Christians. But Jesus says, I don't know you. Depart from me. We stand on the truth of God's Word. Regardless of what the culture says, regardless of what anyone says, this is our foundation. It is solid. It is true. It will last for all time. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Let's pray. Lord, we need to be students of your word. I pray that our contact with your word would not be limited to Sunday morning in church, but that daily, like the Bereans, daily we would examine the scriptures so that we would not be among those who are deceived by those who are false. Satan comes as an angel of light. He wants to turn people away from the truth. Oh God, help us to be men and women of the truth. For we pray in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.